Well, as I mentioned, we're speaking on hope in a world of chaos. Now, <clears throat> I'm not stealing from my uncle or my grandfather's brother, who was a pastor, but uh, he did put a book out. And hope in a world of chaos. They're not for sale because they're out of print and there's none around. But I've got a copy of that and that was put together as I tried to find a date in it, but my brother-in-law wrote a date in one of them, 1981. So it was probably put together about 1975 and very insightful, even today. Hope in a world of chaos. He also touched on other topics of his time. The Bible tried, tested and triumphant. And today, from that point and before that, the Bible has been under attack. There's all sorts of perversions around. There was another one that he put out, and he had a lot to do with these people. <laughs> Enemies Within. He did come out of a mainline church in 1940. He pulled out and became an independent pastor of a Eastern Christian Fellowship for the life of his ministry. But Enemies Within, and he met quite a few and debated them. And another one. He, he put this one together, Vistas of Coming Glory, and you can guess what that's about. And as you look at the topics that he wrote on, you can see that he was very interested in future events. But we've stolen the topic, uh, Hope in a World of Chaos, and I've enjoyed reading, reading that book some years ago. The world has been aped. The word aped is where, like an ape coming all over something, Aped by events, by government regulations, by the media over the past few months. It happened so quickly, there was no time to adjust and prepare for what came. Stocks, share market, everything just went haywire very quickly. It was speedy and surprising. Statements by the media were somewhat alarming when I was listening to news reporters and those that uh, loved what was happening from the left side of politics, they made statements like this, all need to go on the government payroll. And guess where that's coming from? World leaders unite. Almost sounds like they know the Bible <laughs> because there's going to be a one world government soon and this is only preparatory for that. They said, break down national barriers. Bring on globalism. They said, capitalism, I heard him say it, capitalism is finished. Nationalism is finished. Citizens unite. We're one global village. The slogan that we hear all over the world. Can you guess what it is? We're in this together. We are. And it sounds so legitimate. And we are in this together, the fight against this thing. But it's a watch cry for what is coming to this world. And the scripture has a lot to say. We're in this together. It doesn't use those words, but that's today. In other words, don't upset the apple cart or you're put on notice or you are arrested as some have been. Life's not going to be the same as it was Prior to this, we've lost a lot of freedoms. Whether after the dust settles, things go back to what they were or not, and most likely not, we don't know. It seems to inform Bible-believing students of God's word 
that it's a trial run. And we're not saying that they have organised this trial run. It may be, it may be not, you know, all, all these things about conspiracies. <laughs> but it's to test the people to see how they react. How did you react? Did you resent? Did most people say, yes, let's do it? Let's do these things. Um, <clears throat> law enforcement, medical systems, to see how it coped. Bringing in the army onto our streets for different reasons. And more police needed. It's, it's been a test to the reactions of the public. And the public in Australia, surprisingly, have conformed to most of it. Is it planned and purposeful? Well, we know the devil has a plan and a purpose for this world, and that is to reign as its king. He is the God of this world, as it tells in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. You, you can read that. But he has a plan and a purpose, and he wants to bring every soul that's in this, in, on this world, to, on this planet, to, to subject themselves to him. And he's a tyrant. Read the last book of the Bible, and you find that out. Um, <clears throat> Well, whether it's been planned and purposed or whether it's natural and innocent and this just came about and the world reacted as it did. It is interesting to notice that as I've talked to people in America, Israel and we know in Australia, they seem to be reading from the same book, bringing in the same things at the same time around the globe. God knows what's up. And let's trust in him. And the portion that we read in Luke is an interesting portion of scripture. Let's look first of all at Israel's expectations when Christ came the first time. I think we should get things and, and see what it was like back then compared with what it can be like now, what it is like now. Israel's expectations 2,000 years ago, and my thoughts go back to when the Lord came the first time. Was it obvious to those people in that day that the scriptures were being fulfilled before their very eyes? Yes, it was. There was among the people of that time great expectation. In Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1, we read of the wise men. There came wise men from the east to Jerusalem saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east. They travelled all that way, months and months, to come to see the king. They were expecting, they were looking, and they followed the star. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 25, Simeon, a just and devout man who worshipped the Lord, waited for the consolation of Israel. The Holy Spirit told him he wouldn't die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. He was expecting it, and because of his expectation, great expectation of the Messiah to come to Israel, in his time, the Holy Spirit said, it will be in your time. And so he waited for that consolation. We wait for a different hope, don't we? <laughs> we wait for the consolation of our salvation when the Lord will come and we'll go to be with him and uh, bring it on, we say. Even so, come, we say, Maranatha, even so, come, Lord Jesus. There was Anna in Luke 2, 36, a very old prophetess who also ministered in the temple. 
in the temple served God with fastings and prayed night and day. And she looked, it says in scripture, for redemption in Israel. In Mary, when it was said to her that she was going to conceive of the Holy Ghost, she said, Bid unto me according to thy word. In the Gospel of John, and let's turn to the Gospel of John, if you have your Bible there. The Gospel of John, chapter 4 and verse 25. We read there, it's the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, talking of her, and she's talking to the Lord Jesus. And the woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, who is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. She knew. She was half Jew, half, as it were, Gentile, the Samaritans. She knew that Messiah was coming. In this talk with the Lord, she said that in verse 29. She had expectation. And verse 29, Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ, she stated. Is not this the Messiah? And verse 42, And the Samaritans come out as she went and witnessed to them. Her fellow citizens of Samaria came and said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy sayings, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Saviour of the world. There was expectation, and when he came, people who were clued in said, This is it. This is it. In John's Gospel, chapter 6 and verse 14, we read this. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet, that should come into the world. They knew their Bible and they knew that one was going to come and they said, this is that prophet that should come. In chapter 6, verse 69, we read, this is of John's Gospel again, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, a statement made by Peter when asked, who do you say that I am? We believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. There was expectation. These fishermen knew about it. Simeon and Anna in the temple knew about it. They were expecting. There was a great expectation. Isn't there a great expectation, or is on my part, that the Lord come in our generation, that coming is imminent? In chapter 7 and verse 26 of the Gospel of John. This is only in the Gospel of John. You can look at all the others and, and pick out a lot more. Howbeit, <clears throat> we know this man from where he is, But when Christ cometh, no man knoweth from where he is. They were expecting, but they said, no, not him. Chapter 7 and verse 40 of the Gospel of John. Many of the people, therefore, when they heard these sayings, said, Of a truth, this is the prophet. And verse 41, others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Shall Christ come out of Galilee? And so there was that expectation. Verse 46, the officers answered, this is the Romans, never a man spake like this man. And in chapter 11 and verse 27, we read, Then she saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, who should come into the world. And this is 
the occasion where Lazarus, uh, brother, uh, brother to Mary and Martha, is raised. And this is what the sister said. I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. On the road to Emmaus, after the death, burial and resurrection, the two men were very miserably walking home and the Lord walked with them and went down. And this is what it says in one of the verses, I think verse 21 of Luke 24. We trusted, and they were saying this to the Lord Jesus, we trusted that it had been he who should have redeemed Israel. But now he's dead. And we've been surprised that the, the lady said he's not in the tomb. <laughs> and he was talking to them on that occasion. But their expectation was it was he that should bring re redemption. Ah, great expectation from Israel. What about the church's expectation? I also know that the Bible says that those living before and prior to Christ's coming the next time for the church will know it's about to happen. Listen to what Hebrews 10.25 says. Not forsaking, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, empty churches everywhere. Maybe it has some particular relevance for this day. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. We see it coming. That's what it's saying in this verse. We're not to be ignorant of it. You can see things are being set up in this world for, the, for Christ's coming around the nations of the world, around the morals of the world, around things like that. Let me read some other verses. Matthew 24, 32. There's a parable of a fig tree and it says this, when it buds, and the fig tree is a picture of Israel, when it buds, know that summer is near. The kingdom of God is nigh. It's close. When you see Israel bud, it budded back in, well, 1800 and something when Herzl, they got together and the Zionist thing began. And then 1948, when Israel became a nation and, and on and on it goes. And now it's a very, very powerful and feared nation over in the Middle East. And as Ezekiel said, the bones came together, they scattered all over the place. The flesh was on them, the sinews and, and then breath came into this nation. A parable of the fig tree. You know that some, you know the kingdom's coming. It's close when that happens. Matthew twenty four thirty six, like Noah's day, everyone having a wow of a time <laughs> until lockdown, <clears throat> just eating and drinking and being merry and marrying and giving in marriage, living like there's no tomorrow. <clears throat> and in Genesis six, about that period of time, it also said that that the wickedness was great. God came down, it says, and looked. And it, it was so. He didn't have to, but for our, for our understanding, he came and saw what was going on. And he said that the imaginations of their hearts was only evil continually. If you're in the world, you know that's so. Maybe you don't understand it. Things were not always like that. It's wicked. It's wickedness everywhere. Wickedness abounds. Look at the things that the world creates, movies and things like that, uh, <clears throat> that are, that are hor horrific that are terrible in their content, evil to the core. Um, <clears throat> you can read Luke 28, uh, 21, 28 that we read a little bit earlier. Let me refresh your mind. And when these things begin to come to pass, look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. And that, that's talking to, to Israel in the tribulation. But we see some of those things in verses 24 and 28 already occurring. 
The others will occur at another time, but it's for them. Look, look up, for your redemption draweth nigh. Yes, the church's expectation, you can see it's coming. You can see it's coming. Uh, <clears throat> in Luke 17, 26, again, like Matthew, it refers to Noah's day. In Luke 17, 28, it said it's going to be like Lot's day. Eat, drank, brought, sold, planted, built. Then it rained fire and brimstone. So it will be when the Son of Man is revealed. And there's some pretty sim good similarities, isn't there, around today as it was in Lot's day down there in Sodom and Gomorrah in the Jordan Valley. <clears throat> there's another portion of scripture and I'm not going to say what it means. I want you to read it, think it through, pray it through and see what you come to a conclusion on it. Hosea chapter 5 verse 15 someone said find out who said this to whom he said it and when he's referring to I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face in their affliction they will seek me early come and let us return to the Lord these people say for he hath torn and he will heal us he has smitten and he will bind us up. After two days he will revive us and the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. His going forth is prepared as the morning <clears throat> and he shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter rain and former rain upon the earth. Read it. Study it and identify that the people talking, the people talked to, the events talked about. And see what you come to a conclusion on that. There's another reference that shows us that the church's expectancy, the expectation of the church, just as the early, the early well, Old Testament believers but who became the early church believers understood it was the time. So we can also know in first Thessalonians chapter 5 and verses here we read but of the times and seasons brethren you have no need that are right unto you for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord and that starts when the church is taken the day of the Lord and his judgments all spoken about in Revelation chapter 6 verses or chapter 6 to chapter 19 and over and over again in the Old Testament, particularly some minor prophets like Zechariah, yourselves know that the day of the Lord so cometh as the thief in the night. It starts without notice, particularly for those that are not expecting it to start. Particularly for those that say there is no God. And all of a sudden things start happening. Somebody's doing something. Huh. Yes, the Lord will be doing things. For when they shall say peace and safety, then cometh sudden destruction. You know, after all this, there might be peace and safety. The Pope has urged people to, to lay down their arms. We don't need <clears throat> to be fighting and shooting each other while we've got to battle coronavirus. Oh, that's significant. And they say peace and safety. There may come peace and safety after this. There may come a unity amongst the nations. Um, <clears throat> then cometh sudden destruction when they think they've got peace and safety. 
as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye brethren, ye brethren, are not in darkness, that that day, the day of the Lord, should overtake you as a thief. That is very instructive to Christians today that's, that are expecting things and seeing things happening, expecting the Lord's return. We're not in darkness. It's not going to overtake us as a thief. We're not going to be caught unawares and, and hiding around the dark. Ye are all children of light, sons or children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. And so there's the expectation of the church. Now, Israel's comprehension of the things of Scripture. Back in the book of Daniel, chapter 9, the Lord gave the beloved servant of his the vision as he was confessing the sins of his people realizing that the 70 years in Babylon were about up he had on his mind 70 that uh, he'd, he'd read Jeremiah and, and understood this about time was about up and then in verse 24 read 70 weeks this is the revelation given to Daniel 70 weeks are determined upon thy people the Jewish nation and upon the holy city Jerusalem to finish transgressions to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision of prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Well, you only have to read that through and you can pick out all who's it talking to. But in seven, as it says, in 70 weeks. And that 70 weeks of seven, just as it was with Jacob was told to serve her week so he might marry Rachel and he, when his father-in-law deceived him and gave him Leah serve her week serve another seven years and uh, 70 weeks is 490 years and the starting date is given from the commandment to restore and build jerusalem rebuild jerusalem in verse 25 and know and understand it from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build jerusalem and that date is set 445 bc in nehemiah chapter 2 and there's one that has i believe sir robert anderson has worked out to the day that not 490 years but 483 years which is given in these seven years 62 years multiplied by seven each of them work out to 483 years right to the day that jesus rode the ass into jerusalem has been worked out that that was fulfilled this was something they could comprehend this was something that these people we talked about earlier in israel in christ at christ's first coming could well have understood they could have nailed it down we, we don't have in the church a starting date like they do they did have that starting date and <clears throat> it was exactly that time in our day we can know the times and the seasons we're not to be ignorant of this the bible says we can see the day approaching we don't know the day nor the hour and probably not the year but we can see things coming um, from Daniel 9 and verse 20, we read verse 25. Know therefore and understand from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks. That's when they built the wall and Jerusalem there in troublesome times. And three score and two weeks. So it was 49 weeks they were building and then that's seven times seven and then there's 62 weeks multiplied by seven i was at 434 i think and the this will happen and the wall in troublesome times will happen 
after three score and two weeks, after those all added up, <coughs> after the three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. Messiah was crucified at that time. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end of it shall be with the flood, unto the end war and desolations. And so the people of Daniel's, Daniel's people, Israel, could have known and comprehended. Let's not, let's not discard the scriptures. Let's read as they did, and they should have if they didn't. And so the people of the prince that shall come, the prince that shall come is the Antichrist, who is spoken of throughout scripture, in, particularly in Daniel and the book of Revelation and the book of Thessalonians. The people of the prince that shall come destroyed the city. We know who did that. The Romans did under Titus and his leadership. They destroyed the city and the sanctuary. They pulled it apart. And he, the prince that shall come, shall confirm a covenant with the people of Daniel's lineage, the Israelis. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. That's the last of the 70 weeks. That's seven years. And in the middle of the week, he shall cause a sacrifice of oblation to cease and the overspreading of abomination. He shall make it desolate. So in the middle of that seven years, he's going to break his covenant. Israel will know in the future when they make their covenant with the Antichrist, with hell, a covenant with hell, not long afterward that they've made the wrong deal with the wrong person. He's not the Messiah. He comes in doing miracles. He comes in deceiving the world. He comes in by flatteries and peaceably. He deceives them. And in the scriptures, in Daniel, in the book of Revelation, you have this time mentioned. This seven years is divided as time, times and half a time. Three and a half years. Daniel 7.25. <clears throat> it's said that the Gentiles will tread underfoot the holy city, Jerusalem, in Revelation 11.2 for 42 months. That's the last half of that seven years. 42 months is three and a half years. God's two witnesses who witnessed during the first half of that last seven years, called the time of Jacob's trouble, the <clears throat> time of seven years, those two witnesses testify for 1,260 days. Revelation 11 verse 3. Three and a half years working on a Jewish year, 360 days in a year. Israel's protected for 1,260 days, the last half of that seven years. Revelation 12 and verse 6. Israel's protected for a time, times and half a time, just like in the book of Daniel 7.25 is mentioned in Revelation 12 and verse 14. Antichrist is allowed to continue for 42 months, three and a half years, Revelation 13 and verse 5. And so Israel's comprehension back <clears throat> then in the Lord's day and in the future day, the last seven years of those 70 by seven, which is 490, they will be able to say it's, it's got three years to run. It's got three and a half years to go. It's, it's, we've just started. They could understand that. What about the church's comprehension? What we see today is a trial run for future events. I really believe that. When we're with the pastors, when this just started, at a pastor's meeting down in, in Melbourne, <clears throat> they all said, this looks like it. It looks like it. And we didn't know all that was going to happen at that time. 
And as I said, whether it's planned and purposeful or where it's natural and innocent, God knows. <clears throat> a trial run for world government. A trial one run for global control. For testing the reactions of the people. And it's amazing that in Australia, people said yes. And, and you know, we don't want to get this virus. Let's lock down. Let's stay home. Let's do this. And it's proved to be a correct move, but it's cost us an awful lot. A trial for the medical system. And uh, the tracing app. The tracing app. <clears throat> they can trace me if I've got my phone. I have. <laughs> if I've got my Fitbit. They know where we are. But this is a tracing app on your phone so you, they can get more detail of how close you are. It really sounds a little bit like, now it's all voluntary, it's innocent, you know, it's supposed to be secure and all that. Revelation 13, verse 16 to 18, read it. Read it. They can't buy nor sell and they won't be able to move anywhere unless they have the mark on their hand or on their forehead. There will be a tracing, not a tracing app, a tracing form of some sort that you won't be able to do anything without Every, the, the government knowing it is a serious thing as we look at that I was going to read but haven't got time Corey Bernardis who's a politician over in Perth who was in the Liberal Party resigned and went independent and tried to start a conservative party but he's he, he said some things about what's going on and he, he is shocked as a politician in Australia of how well their plan went <laughs> <clears throat> whether the dust settles, if it does, whether we're allowed the liberties we once had, whether, and they haven't, got sunset clauses on these, and we'll see in the near future, and whether they bring in other measures or drop the legislations they've passed around the world, not just here, we don't know. We'll soon know. Not jumping on the bad wagon of conspiracies. <laughs> you know, I've heard people talking about if they give the inoculation, they're going to have a chip in it and you won't know it. So that means if someone gets the inoculation, they're uh, chipped. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't say so. And that, in Revelation 13, doesn't happen until the middle of the tribulation. <clears throat> well... Israel's expectation, the church's expectation of the first and the second coming. Israel's comprehension of the first coming and when he comes a second time. The church's comprehension, we should not be in the dark. Now God's revelation and warning of utter destruction. And if there are unsaved people here listening today, you need to listen hard at what the Lord has planned for this prodigal planet. In uh, chapter 21 of Luke again, and verse 34, we read, And take heed of yourselves, lest at any time you, your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that the day come upon you unawares. Don't let it happen. Don't let it catch you unawares. For like a snare it shall come upon all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. This hasn't happened. This is going to happen. A time when it will come up like a trap, like a snare upon the whole world. If we think that this virus is bad, listen to what God has told us about the time to come 
of which this present virus is probably but an introduction. It's a terrible temptation upon the whole world. In Revelation 3.10, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon the whole world to try them that dwell upon the earth. A great tribulation in Revelation 7.14. Who are these arrayed in white robes? And from where did they come? And I said unto him, John said unto him, the revealer of this truth, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, These came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. They are martyrs at the throne in heaven. They've been martyred for their faith in the great tribulation. That's the last half of those seven, seven years, last years. Um, <clears throat> it's a time of trouble such as never has been. In the book of Jeremiah, it speaks of it. Ask now and see whether a man doth travail with child. Do I see every man with his hands on his loins like a woman in travail? And all faces turned into paleness? Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble. But he, Jacob, the children of Israel, the nation of Israel, shall be saved out of it. There's other references. We haven't time to look at them. A time of trouble, a time of tribulation, a time of temptation. The whole world is involved in this. This is God's revelation to mankind to warn them to flee from the wrath to come. Have you fled to the foot of the cross and been saved, trusting the Lord Jesus? A time <clears throat> when Israel will turn back to God. Zechariah 12 and verse 10, and they shall look upon him whom they have pierced and mourn for him as one mourns for their only child. It will be a cup of trembling, especially Jerusalem will be a cup of trembling to any nation that dares to, to mess with Israel and with Jerusalem particularly. Zechariah 12, and I believe these, are all, these verses are all in the outline along with others. A time when two-thirds of Jewish people are killed. Zechariah 13 verses 8 and 9. If there's seven million there now and two-thirds were killed, well, if you go to six million, two-thirds makes it easy. Four million of the Israelis are killed. It will be a terrible, terrible time. It will be a time when half of the world's population die in two of these assigned judgments. In the book of Revelation, chapter 6 and verse 8, it says there, and the fourth seal was opened, and it reads that a quarter of the world's population was killed. We know it's seven billion and climbing quickly. Say it was eight billion people. A quarter of that is two billion people. Folks, you need to listen. God has told us. We can buy Bibles. We can read for ourselves these things. Two billion people. Then in the sixth trumpet, chapter 9 and verse 18 of Revelation, it says a third of those remaining are killed. So if you started with eight, a quarter die, that's back to six billion. And then if a third of those, those are killed in that sixth trumpet judgment, that's another two billion people. You end up with only half of what we started with. That's in two of the judgments. 
There was a leaflet we put out in 1999. We distributed it around Albury, a tribulation map. And in this tribulation map, we have there the three sets of drump, um, judgments, the sealed, jumpet, tr <laughs> sealed judgments, the trumpet judgments, and the bowl judgments. You can see them there, and Sam will probably put this up in the video and uh, on the service for you to look at in some more detail. You can press pause and just look at those, and you can go through this. God has told us there's three series of seven judgments, the seal, the trumpet, and the bowl judgments, seven of each. But Pastor McConnell said last week in his introduction, extra, extra, I think he said that, <laughs> read all about it, because there's extra in the book of Revelation 10 verses 1 to 4. It talks about seven more judgments, seven thunders that fit and fall between the sixth and the seventh trumpet judgments. And John was about to write and he said, no, don't write it. It's a secret, but it's going to happen. So there's four sets of seven judgments in seven year period. That's 28. If you divide that into seven every three months, that's about as long as this virus has been going to date, every three months there's some major, terrible, disruptive events. The gas lines will be busted. The power will go down. The water lines will be broken. All the earthquakes that happen. Every city in the final earthquake, and there's two major earthquakes in the tribulation, it's flattened. It says the mountains are levelled. This is not a joke. This is going to happen. God has said it will happen, and it's going to happen. God's revelation is utter destruction. He is trying to get the attention of the world who have said he doesn't exist. And he will get a lot of attention. There is that multitude in Revelation 7 that repent and turn to the Lord. And praise God, multitudes and multitudes are saved, but multitudes and multitudes don't get saved. The troubles that we face today with this coronavirus being locked in our houses with a heater and with a cooler are like a Sunday school picnic as compared with what is going to happen that God has told us about. Utter destruction. Come to the Lord. The saints' anticipation and aspiration, there is hope. We've got a message of hope. For today is the day of salvation. Today is a day of grace in which by faith you can come to the Lord Jesus. The Lord will triumph, Revelation 20 and verse 10, over the devil. He locks him up. Revelation 7 verse 9 to 14, particularly verse 14. Multitudes <clears throat> turn to him, as I've just mentioned. Multitudes that no man could number get saved. There is hope. <laughs> Revelation 12 and verse 14. The Lord will tread on the neck of his enemies. He will be victorious. Revelation 11 verse 15 and 18 in chapter 19 and verses 11 to 6. The Lord will take control of world affairs and he will reign from Jerusalem. The Bible says it from Mount Zion. The Lord will translate and transport his people out of this world before these things happen. Before these things happen. We do not face wrath for our sin. The Lord Jesus faced the wrath for our sin. He died in our place. As Revelation 3.10 says, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, 
I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation that shall come upon the whole world to try them that dwell on the earth. We have the hope, the blessed hope that Titus talks about, that Thessalonians talks about <coughs> in First Thessalonians 4 verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them who are asleep, who have died, that ye sorrow not even as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also who sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that they who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them who are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up with them who have died and been resurrected in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. It's no comfort to think we're going through that seven years of hell on earth. What God has revealed to us in Revelation 6, chapter 6 to 19. There's no comfort in that, but there is comfort to know that we'll be taken up before the hour of temptation and delivered from the wrath of God. For the Lord has taken our wrath, as I've said. These things won't and shouldn't scare the Christian, but they will terrify and traumatise the unbelieving. Friend, if you're not a Christian, you need to get saved. You need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth that Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The Philippian jailer said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What did they say? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou, thou shalt be saved. There is hope. The saints' anticipation is that we're going to be up and out of here instantly in the moment at a twinkling of an eye, delivered. But for those who are unsaved and unrepentant, and when I go on having a wow of a time, it'll all come to a sudden end. You need to be saved. You need to trust the Lord Jesus that we might meet in heaven one day. And there may be those listening that we don't know about that make a decision. If you want to know more, we can tell you more. This tribulation map is for those that have been left behind. There's not many of them around. I've only got a few that we've got left. There's others that are around the coming global holocaust and how you can escape it. Just what I've just said. You can be delivered and we've got some of those and we can give them out. But trust the Lord. Be freed from your sin. Become a saint of the Lord Jesus, a Christian, and be ready for the uppertaker who will take us out of here before this time. Thank you for listening and God bless you. We'll see you tonight as we talk about the salvation that we have in the Lord Jesus, a wonderful salvation. Thank you.